Are you not entertained? Get busy living, or get busy dying. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Well, welcome to Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. I am I'm excited this week, but yet also I recognize that the topic, it's a difficult topic. It's a difficult subject. And not only that, it's a subject that a lot of people have dealt with and very few people talk about it. And that's why I'm so grateful to have on our podcast today, our dear friend for part two, Katie. Katie, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jay. Well, I'm glad to have you on today. Let me say a little bit about Katie. Katie's not somebody that I just we're just having on the podcast today. I've known Katie and her family for several years. Uh, Katie's a mother. Uh, Katie is a school teacher. Katie has, I believe it's four kids. Am I right, Katie? Yes. Katie's got four kids, two boys, two girls. And not only that, but Katie was a college basketball player. I can't remember. Where did you play, Katie? At Queens College. In Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, so Katie's a baller. Matter of fact, has a daughter who also is a hooper, uh, a really good ball player. But Katie, thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, I just really admire and respect your willingness to come on and, and, and talk about something that a lot of people won't do. And the other day, I was talking with your husband, and I just really have a respect for people that are willing to be authentic and be open and, you know, we see this in Scripture. Thank God that we see people in Scripture made mistakes because it gives us all hope. But I think in today's church culture, there's so many folks that are struggling, but they're afraid to talk about it because everybody else at church is pretending they have it all together. And so they're afraid to come out or maybe also might be afraid that they might be gossiped about. But, Katie, let's just launch right on in. Of course, we had your husband on part one uh, but we certainly didn't want to hear just part of the story. So, Katie, if you will, just launch right in and tell us your story, your side of how things happen. Yeah. Um, so, Chad and I met uh, actually a long time ago, back in 1995, and uh, we were both a part of uh, Athletes in Action's uh, summer project in Colorado. And so we both had just gone to just grow and deepen our own walks with the Lord. And um, with an athletic sort of background and um, just kind of hit it off. And then a year later, we actually got married. And uh, so we were, you know, super excited about all of that. And, uh, you know, just jumping into uh, teaching and coaching. He was actually still in school, finishing up college and kind of finding work um, here and there. And then uh, eventually we started our own business and uh, at a gym and fitness center. And um, as sort of just time passed, uh, you know, we kind of let things uh, slip um, in terms of just um, accountability. We both grew up in church. Uh, we both loved the Lord, knew the Lord. Um, but I would say we would both agree that we were both probably really immature in our faith at the time. And uh, although we were in church, uh, you know, attending uh, Bible studies uh, and things like that, we didn't really have um, personal accountability in our lives. And uh, I think that that just led to some poor choices, poor decision-making um, and things like that. Uh, so, so the short story is, is that, um, you know, my husband had an affair uh, with uh, an employee that we had at the time. And, um, 
and it was really difficult uh, to maneuver. Um, and I'm really thankful that we both uh, did have a really good foundation um, of Christ and um, that we did know and understand uh, scripture, um, even though um, we both made poor choices and decisions along the way that sort of, you know, kind of led up to that happening. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you said something earlier, Katie, and I appreciate you kind of setting the table here that you guys were both believers. Some folks think that, well, if you're a believer, I mean, yeah, you can do wrong, but I mean, if you're a true believer, uh, you certainly couldn't make a mistake like this. And and it's just not true. I mean, we see even the guy who's considered the only man in Scripture that says was a man after God's own heart. And not only did David had an, uh, commit adultery, David also was guilty of murder. So anybody, doesn't matter who you are, uh, you know, the Scripture tells you that if you think you're above something, then you ought to be on guard because you can be the next person uh, that can fall. And and I truly believe in my years of travel, I've met people who have fallen into a lot of different things and, and it can happen to any of us. And so we, we've all got to be careful. So Katie, how did, how did this revelation come about? And it sounds like if I understand correctly, you know, you guys obviously had a biblical background, but really weren't tight with the Lord. Was there, was there trouble going on in your marriage at the time or were you guys already doing well? Um, you know, kind of, kind of walk us through a little bit of that. And maybe even if you're comfortable how you found out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that we were both immature in our faith. I think we were in, and since we were on fire for the Lord, because, um, you know, we had just gone through, I mean, how we met um, was just really, you know, two months of just spending time with the Lord and learning about him and, um, you know, kind of how to do life and stuff like that. Um, but so we met and then actually a year later we got married. And so, you know, it's just a process. We, we now say that me you know, marriage is a people growing process. I think we were just, just like when we're, you know, when we're kids, you know, we're, we're young and we don't know things. And then we get older and we've learned things through experience, but, um, you know, things happen. And I think it led to, you know, things that it, it started with was, um, you know, not really having healthy boundaries um, in our marriage. Um, you know, not really fully supporting each other or at least feeling like that we were being supported by the other person and, uh, and really not knowing how to give and receive love the way that, you know, our spouse wanted to. I think, I think we both had a part in it. Obviously, um, you know, he committed that sin. Um, but I just acknowledge, you know, after the fact and down the road, you know, just sort of the part that I played in that and how, you know, Maybe there's things that I could have said and done that, you know, there's a way to, you know, avoid that, um, you know, for others. Wow, Katie, hearing you say that is revolutionary. I, I can guarantee you that there's some people that are going to hear this and go, wait a minute, you know, how are you culpable? How is it your responsibility? Chad was the one who had the affair. But, you know, I've met so many folks over the years that have gone through this. And um, and oftentimes I've heard that same thing. Yeah, so one partner or the other was guilty, but I was or wasn't doing things. It doesn't justify and it doesn't relieve them of responsibility, but there were things I could have done different that, you know, might have, might have helped that. So if I understand right, Katie, at the time though, you guys weren't in marriage trouble. It wasn't like you guys were fighting a lot and there was already some, no, no y'all were doing okay at the time. I mean, it wasn't like there were yeah. these huge warning signs. Is that correct? 
that's right. And did you know? I mean, like, we, I was a teacher. I was a coach. You know, he came and he was actually one of my assistant coaches. I mean, like, we were doing things together in, in some way. You know, we were, we were not um, living separately. We were not um, unengaged. You know, we were attending church regularly together. Um, yeah, so it, it can happen to anybody. No doubt about it. And was this someone the 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 girl that he had an affair with? You said it was a, a somebody who worked for the company that you guys had opened. Was it somebody that you were close to that you were friends with? Because I've heard that over the years, and not to diminish any affair because they're all devastating. But it seems in those cases that that it was even worse because it wasn't only the betrayal of the spouse, but the betrayal of a close friend. Yeah, it, it was not somebody that I knew. It was just somebody that we had, you know. For a short time, employed. Right. So, no, it was not. But it was a younger person. And was there some kind of signs, Katie, that helped you see that, okay, something is amiss? Or was it just, did Chad just come to you on his own and confess that? Or how did it all unfold? Uh, in the middle of it, I had no idea. Um, because, like, like I said, we lived together. We went to church together. We, you know, coached together. We, we were, you know, together. Um, but, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, essentially how I found out was um, one night he came home drunk, which we didn't drink alcohol generally. And, um, and he came home late, uh, which was, you know, uncommon. And I didn't know where he was. Um, it was the time before cell phones uh, and GPS. So, you know, we didn't really have ways of tracking people right. like we do now. Um, and it was just obviously complete for me. It, he was completely out of character. And so my red flags went up. I started asking him questions. Um, he was drunk and he answered all of my questions. Um, so, and that's how I found out. Well, you mentioned that you had no idea. And this is another thing I've heard so many different times, whether it's somebody who didn't have an affair but just decides to get a divorce or did have an affair. And I've heard couples on both sides, the male and the female husband or wife, say, I had no idea. So, And Chad has told me, Katie, about um, that when you found this out, at some point I think he walked in on you. And what was it that he saw that literally, I know that every time he mentions it, you can tell that it still affects him to this day because it just rocked his world. Yeah, I um, I was obviously really hurt. I was obviously really mad, and I really wanted to get his attention. Um, and I had gotten out his gun, and I sat it on my bed. And um, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Um, I certainly thought about, you know, killing him, um, sort of, you know, thought about killing myself. And then I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I mean, like, it's not my fault, um, that that's happened. Um, but I really want him to like, think about this. Like, I really wanted him to know how serious this is and how much this has hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then years later, we talked, and, and actually he interpreted it one way, and I, you know, kind of intended it, you know, sort of that way, but a, sort of a different way, um, which is just kind of gives you the idea that, you know, you have two different perspectives, same situation, um, but it can have, you know, different meanings. Right. Well, and I know that there, at, at a moment like that, there's got to be, as you stated, a range of emotions. There's 
you're totally wiped out, devastated, brokenhearted. You feel betrayal. You feel anger. You feel deceit. But when you found out, Katie, once you kind of, the, the water, the, the storm kind of subsided a little bit, I'm not talking about months down the way, but did you know off the jump that I want to work this out? Or did you think initially, hey, I'm going to leave? I can't remember. How many kids did y'all have at the time? Uh, just one. Just one. And that was that was an infant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, she was, Sierra was like six months old. So was your thought at the time, hey, I'm leaving? Or was your thought, I want to try to work this out. What was your initial thought? Um, well, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, at first I was like, get out. Um, and then after I thought about it for a little bit and he did leave for, I don't know, a couple of days or something like that. And then I was like, well, if he's not here, he could be with her and I don't know where he is or what he's doing. So I'd rather him be here but we'll sleep in different beds. We'll be in different rooms when mm-hmm. we're sleeping at night right now to start with. Right. Katie, I've never, I, I've never uh, gone through what you've gone through. I, I just can't imagine. I mean, I've seen it on the faces of literally masses of people who've told me their stories. And I know there's no words that can articulate just how brokenhearted and devastating that it is that a person who you committed your life to, who committed their life to you, has displayed the ultimate form of betrayal. And um, tell me what that process was, Katie. I mean, how do you go from this anger and brokenness? I mean, what is the, the start to even forgive somebody who has broken the ultimate vow? Yeah, it, I mean, it really was a day-by-day thing it was you know obviously really hard at first we lived out in the country kind of so we didn't really have a whole lot of support um, around us um of course his family was very angry at him my family was very angry at him um but we were fortunate enough to have some mentors in our life um that would talk to both of us um they were you know we call it tough love that he would um he came to talk to chad and just you know kind of say this is how it is and you know uh and then for um the wife she came and she you know talked to me and supported me and just said that whatever I needed that she was there for me and that was just really um important well just as I mentioned yesterday when I was getting my hair cut I was talking to another one of the ladies there um who recently her husband had an affair on her and not only did he have an affair but he got the girl pregnant who he was having an affair with and uh I know that some people are going to think it's crazy but uh, of course, this has been a little over a year ago, but they're trying to work it out. And anyway, another lady yeah. sitting in a chair not far from her overheard the conversation that she was ha- that the lady who had uh, whose husband had an affair was having with her client, and she said to her, "Are you getting back with your husband?" And she said, "Well, I- I'm, we're working on it. It's a possibility." And that lady said to her, "It will never work out. Once a cheater, always a cheater." And it just broke her heart because here she is trying to work out. She has two kids, and she loves her husband, and she is a believer. And like you and I said, she she recognizes that anybody, I don't care who you are, can fall into any sin. Nobody's above anything. And as I already stated, we see that in Scripture. Um, But I, I would imagine that as she was hearing the naysayers and she talked about how so many people are coming to her and tell her, you've lost your mind. You're crazy. He doesn't deserve you. And yet I hear you, Katie say that 
if I understand correctly, that a pivot point for you guys was you had mentors. You had so there was somebody that I presume was a, a believer, a godly person who was walking Chad through it and walking you through it. Would you say that played a huge role in the healing process? Oh, it was definitely key. I mean, I man, you'd, I'd like to say you know that we could have done it, you know, regardless. But I, I think that the Lord just used them, um, you know, to speak truth and life into us. Um, and um, you know, I there was a lot of divorce that was in my family and I didn't want that. Um, but it does take two people to make a marriage. And I know we've had a lot of situations where this, this has happened a lot. It's happened a lot, you know, um, in the body of Christ and, um, not everybody makes it, um, because some people are not willing to repent and change. And, but if they are willing, then, you know, God doesn't, it, it, it's a perfect story of redemption because that's what, you know, we all sin. Right. You know, you said earlier, it's the ultimate betrayal. We, we all sin. We all betray God. And so, you know, n- no sin is really greater or less than other sin. Like sin is sin and it stinks and it's gross. Um, and if there was, you know, like it's a day by day process. And if both people are willing to, you know, do the work. Um, then, you know, the greatest blessing is, has been the reward of, you know, now we're 26 years of marriage and four wonderful kids, um, that all love the Lord. And there's been a lot of fruit, um, that's come out of it. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you, Katie. I think that having those, whether you, whether you call it a mentor, whether, uh, obviously it's gotta be the right person. I mean, if you're going through uh, what you guys went through, you don't want to get advice from somebody who went through it, who just got a divorce and you want to quantify that and make sure that you're getting advice from somebody who's really trying to help and heal the situation. Not one of these people who are barking in the corner, like I mentioned that are telling you how uh, they're not worth it and they'll never work. And matter of fact, um, I, I personally think marriage counseling is good no matter what, whether you've been to an affair or not. I, w- I was in marriage counseling two days ago. Some people might find that shocking. Oh man, Jay, he's a guy travels across the world and speaking. Yeah, I was in marriage counseling less than 48 hours ago. So I'm with you. I think-, I think we all need it. And I wish that we would break down those barriers of like what counseling is and make it more accessible and less expensive to um, all people, you know, whether it's in, in marriage or out of marriage or just personal use, like we all need it. Yeah, I think so too. I look, I always say, I look at it as no different than tuning up your car. I mean, you get your oil changed and change your spark plugs, whatever. I'm not a mechanic here, but if you would do maintenance on your vehicle, why not more so your marriage? Katie, and I don't obviously know that's at that time frame. was Chad really repentant about what he had done? And if so, did that really help also in the healing process of knowing that he was repentant and, and, and really felt terrible for what he had done and wanted to make it right. Was that his, was that his attitude? And if so, did that also play a role in this healing process? Uh, I mean, I think in some degree, I think it was a relief for me finding out because he had been hiding it for so long. I mean, I didn't know anything, but there were certainly people that were around him that knew things and they were all keeping it very quiet. Um, and you know, they would say that he needed to stop and that, um, some would say that he didn't need to tell me that he just needed to stop. Um, but nobody was really, you know, holding him accountable for doing the right thing. Um, and then once it came out, you know, it's kind of like once things come in the light, you know, then there's opportunities for, you know, cleansing, you know, once 
people know, then um, there's an opportunity to change. And so I think it was just really just that. Um, and then it just started the process sort of day by day. And, you know, certainly I didn't trust him um, anymore um, at that time. But, you know, day by day that got built back up through, you know, little things and him, you know, making sure that he did what he said he was going to do, that he was where he was supposed to be and all those kinds of things. But, you know, that was sort of a, you know, lengthy process of earning trust back. Right. And obviously, uh, I, I wish these podcasts could go a lot longer because for a person listening to this, they've already heard you reference, well, you know, hey, I've been married over two decades and got four kids and, you know, had one at the time. And But for the people listening, and obviously I can't tell your story, but my assumption, Katie, is that, you know, even though obviously you guys have made it, you didn't just make it. You didn't just gut it through. I know you guys. I've spent time with you. We've had vacations together. I know that you truly love Chad, and Ch- Chad truly loves you. I mean, I, I've seen it. We, we've we've been across the country together, and so I know it's legitimate. But for the person listening who, you know, here we are kind of fast-forwarding because obviously we only have a certain amount of time. Uh, would you make it – would you say that, though, even though, hey, yeah, we, we've got four kids and everything is great, this wasn't an overnight process. It wasn't like Chad came home and confessed what had happened and, you know, it was just forgiveness and love and everything was, I mean, it, it, I would assume that certainly wasn't the case. Am I right? Oh, yeah, no, for sure not. Yeah. It, it, There's a lot of things that he had to work through. There was, you know, generational curses that need to be broken. Um, there was really just grounding um, in him and then, um, you know, following through. And, you know, some of it was a lack of maturity as a, just a person um and uh which he would agree with and you know some of that takes time and life experiences uh to grow and i mean i think there's just a lot of things that we started putting into place um like healthy boundaries and you know living you know godly lives individually and together in our marriage that you know helped us go in that direction right but it wasn't like he had a a, a no limit credit card of trust. I mean, you know, I've always no. said, even with me now, uh, I guess because I've been hurt so many times by so many different folks, I, I tell everybody, you know, trust with me. It's not given, it's earned. Uh, I, I don't give it to anybody. You, you've got to earn that. And, and I, from what I'm understanding, Katie, you're saying that there was this process where Chad had to re-earn that trust. And I'm assuming that must, I mean, did that take a long time? Was that months? Was that years? How long did that actually take where you were no longer wondering when Chad walked out the door or when he didn't come home when you expected him to, man, are things okay? Uh, and it's, it's kind of hard to remember. It, it was not a short period of time. It was a really long period of time. I would say at least a year or two. I would say that, you know, after the second or third year, you know, like I didn't have to question that anymore. Um, but then like that just continued to, because we had boundaries in place, he put boundaries in place for himself. I put boundaries in place for myself, things that we had like agreed on. Um, that helped to prevent like things from like things like that from like happening again. Yeah. So yeah, obviously that, that, that is a, a huge process and something that, you know, that takes time. And of course the listener, nor I, you know, can, um, I can imagine the, 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 still the tears and the brokenness. And, and uh, I even know somebody here locally, an, another person who recently went through that. And matter of fact, this guy told me just, um, recently said that although 
they feel like they've healed, there are still seasons where he feels like the enemy attacks her. And even though she does trust him, the enemy will come at her and say, you know, is he really where he's supposed to be? Is he really doing what he's supposed to be doing? Are there ever seasons where the enemy comes back at you, Katie? And because whatever, Chad got home late or whatever, that, that it causes you where the enemy will attack you and try to put seeds of doubt in your mind? For me, not anymore. You know, like I said, after those first few years, um, like I, I don't even think about it. I don't question it. But, you know, Chad is a man of integrity. He does what he says that he's going to do. Um, he's got good accountability in place, you know, men speaking into his life to hold him accountable to situations. Um, if anything, it's usually the other way around. Like he's more concerned about me. Like he is afraid that I would do something like that. I don't know. I don't think he thinks that I would, but like I say, he's more cautious of me than of himself because he's, you know, really, um, knows that he's like really overcome that. Wow. That's ironic that he would be cautious or, or second thoughts. I don't know what the right vernacular would be. In regards to you, I, you know, you would think it would be the other way around. That That's really unique. I think maybe initially it was sort of like he, he felt guilty. It, it took him a really long time to forgive himself. And so he felt really guilty. And so I don't know if he thought, you know, if she did it, then I would have to stay with her too. We'd have to work it out. Like, I don't, you know, you have to ask him that. But, um, but that's why we just have safeguards in place because we know that it can happen to anyone, anywhere, anytime, you know, all kinds of scenarios that sin can crop up um, if you don't stay on guard. Katie, you've referenced several times boundaries, and I'd be curious to hear what some of those are. I've heard people talk about uh, different things that they've employed, you know, whether it be um, let me know where you're going and when you're going to be there. We're talking about the initial stages, um, of course, on the obvious um, whoever this individual was that they were, they, they had this affair with no more discussing or talking or emailing or texting or whatever. Um, but what are some of those boundaries, Katie, that you employed that, that kind of help rebuild that trust? Could you give us a few examples of that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the first would just be like just breaking any unholy ties or any unholy unions. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, in regards to an affair. It can also be things that happen before the marriage um, so that you can just, you know, break off any generational curses where, you know, there may be families, family lines where this um, runs throughout generationally. And it just needs to be kind of broken um, and ground taken back uh, for the Lord. Um, just realizing, you know, that both of you in the marriage, you're off the market, like, you're not trying to impress or flirt or, you know, try to be with somebody else uh, and nor, nor are they, you know, particularly, you know, not flirting with other people um, from the opposite sex. Um, for us, we really limit interactions alone with anybody from the opposite sex, particularly like um, cars. Uh, we don't ride alone with somebody from the opposite sex or, you know, going to lunch with somebody, um, you know, social media, you know, personal interactions with people, texting people, um, because it just opens the window of a bad opportunity to share personal intimate um, information. It kind of creates vulnerability, and um, it's just a, a window for Satan to um, just creep in. And so we just avoid that. Um, 
as much as possible. Well, that's wisdom. And, and I know that um, in my, I've gone to marriage counseling off and on my entire marriage. And um, I know one time I was told by the pastor that we see that marriage is like a bank account, that you can't get out of it what you've not put into it. And you have to be really cautious because if you're not putting into it, and we're talking, we're not talking about just physical intimacy. We're talking about communication. I mean, everything that goes with it. And uh, he said, if you're not putting something into the, that bank account of marriage, Satan's always good at bringing someone else in who will. Um, so, mm-hmm. Something else, I'd, I'd, and, and Katie, I love the fact, you know, I posted something on social media a couple of days ago, and I said, I've learned that the best thing that you can do with pain is take what you've learned from it and give it to other people. And um, and I know that you guys have done that. I know that this podcast is even another uh, evidence of that. Were you initially open, Katie? I mean, how long did it take you before you realized God can use our story in spite of how messy it is? God can use our story to help other people. How long was it before you were open? Because I know when Missy and I first started going to marriage counseling, this has been years ago. We only had one kid at the time. I mean, nobody knew. We didn't tell our mom, our dad. I mean, it was a big cover-up because we were afraid what, what are people going to think? Are people going to think we're crazy? Of course, we don't obviously care anymore. I wouldn't be talking about it right now. But how long did it take you before you were open and you began to see that God can use mistakes and God can use pain as a catalyst to help other people? Yeah, I think it actually started with Chad. Um, I think it was kind of a healing process for him. He was sharing it like men's retreat. Um, and sharing about it. I, I, for a long time, I didn't really talk about it because I didn't want to, you know, more or less expose him. I didn't want to dwell there or, you know, kind of think about it all the time. And so I, you know, sort of put the past behind me. I didn't really dwell on it. Um, and then probably the last, maybe, I don't know, uh, six or seven years um, that we've been given opportunities like in small groups, um, in Bible studies, um, or, you know, just different various, um, small group situations, um, to be able to share. And actually this past year we shared, um, on a Sunday morning service, um, we were doing a whole series, actually it was last summer, a whole series on just marriage and family. And, um, so we were just sharing about some of the pitfalls and things like that. And I just acknowledge that, um, you know, like I have a story too. Um, which is why I really appreciate you having me on here. Um, it's not just his story. It's, it's our story. And, uh, you know, obviously we know there's always two sides. No doubt about it. Well, I, I just love the fact that you guys are open. Katie, I wonder, you know, there will, I, I have no doubt there will be some women listening to this podcast. And I, I think the great thing of it is on one hand that they can see hope. They, they, they can hear from somebody who, okay, I'm years down the road. I've got a great marriage. Um, it's not something you're just saying. I know that it's true. I've got three kids since then. God has completely healed us. And that's great. And I think that that sends a, a wonderful message. But I also would assume, Kaylee, that there's going to be some people that are listening to this podcast, and they're not years down the road. They may have found out last week or last month, and they're in just the pit, the ditch right now of anger, hurt, brokenness, betrayal, don't know which way is up, don't know what they're going to do. Maybe their spouse, husband, and or wife isn't repentant. Maybe they're even still having an affair. And they're listening to this podcast and going, man, that's great. You know, I hope that my marriage can turn out like Katie's did. 
Is there anything in particular that you would say to that man or that woman that may be listening who is not where you're at years down the road, other than the fact, of course, that God can bring healing and restoration? Is there anything that you would say to them based on your experience of where they're at maybe right now and that literally just suffocating brokenness that, that they may be facing? Yeah, I would say if there's anybody that's in it as the offender, um, that you really just need to confess and repent and things that come out in the open, that there's an opportunity for um, there to be healing. Um, everything that's closed off and kept in the dark um, will grow and fester and nothing good um, comes out of that. And then for the person that has been um, offended, um, it's just a really opportunity um, just to forgive um, and that doesn't mean that, that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. You, you, that's not forgiveness is not excusing or agreeing with what happened. Um, but it's uh, just acknowledging um, that it happened and then releasing that person from like that debt or offense. And then you have the opportunity to go forward um, in a right um, direction. Um, you know, prayer, you know, praying for yourself. Um, praying for um, your spouse, um, getting some good godly um, counsel, uh, wise people in your life to speak truth and life into both of you. Um, because I think that's what happens is when people get isolated and out on the island, they might be left to go on their own accord, uh, which often tends to be in the flesh. Um, and we just need to make sure that we stay in right relationship that first and foremost, your relationship with the Lord is most important. Yeah. Um, just spending time with Jesus, um, you know, praying, uh, refreshing yourself with his word. I know the first thing that I did was I was digging in the word hard, praying hard. Um, I just went through the Proverbs and would just, you know, read them, pray them, meditate them over and over and over again, just trying to get wisdom for myself. Um, because first and foremost, you have to get your personal relationship with the Lord right first. Um, and then as each of you do that, um, then you have the opportunity for there to be a, you know, a holy union um, again. Yeah. You know, Katie, I, I think obviously everything that you said is, is right on track. There's no doubt anybody can say that what you've said is not spiritually accurate, straight out of the Bible. But I think that there's probably some people that are going to hear this. And, and I love, first of all, that you said, if you're, you may be an offender who hasn't yet revealed it. Now, I think there's a lot of wisdom in revealing secrets because I think the longer people carry that, uh, the more opportunity there is for temptation and just the carrying the weight of that. But, but, but even outside of that, I think there can be people that be, would be listening to this and go, Katie's talking about forgiveness. I am livid. I am brokenhearted. I am so angry. Um, I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe this happened to my kids. I can't believe this happened to my marriage. And if I'm reading between the lines right, Katie, that while you talk about, you know, there's this process of mentorship, which is obviously great, godly counsel, which of course is great, you know, trying to dive in deep to God and, and then find maybe things in your own life that, that may be wrong or that might have helped contribute to this. But in spite of all that, I think if I'm understanding you correctly, that while that that's true, would you agree that 
probably the forgiveness that you gave Chad is something that you probably could have never given on your own, that you were only able to give that forgiveness as a result of your connection with God? Absolutely. Um, you know, Matthew six fourteen says to forgive and you'll be forgiven. Um, you know, and we, and we all sin, like we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So even though it's really easy to point fingers and say like he did that or she did that, we also have to start with, I did this and I did that. And just taking our personal responsibility for sin that's in our own life, although it might be different, we all sin and that we're all forgiven and we can only forgive because we've been forgiven. Right. Well, and I love that you said forgiveness isn't justification. And it's it's not negligence, and it's not even ignoring, and and I, I, I that it's a process. It's something that normally doesn't happen overnight, and something that really I I agree with it. It's something that only God really can can help you do. I think about different seasons in my life and different people that were in different phases of relationships, whether they were colleagues or whether they were friends that I've been hurt by, and. And it didn't happen overnight. And and although it obviously a completely different scenario than what we're discussing today, uh, the hurt has been deep on various occasions of things that have happened. And at the time, to be honest with you, I didn't want to hear, oh, you know, forgive and forget. My mother would always say that to me. Or, you know, oh, you just need to forgive them and move on. Well, I mean, that all sounds great. But I know that I'm not capable of doing that. And I love what you said, too. And, and you've said it several times, and it is so true. Sin is sin. Now, the truth of the matter is, while sin is sin, and if you're guilty of breaking the law in one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. But we also, I'm sure, would agree that while sin is sin, there are certainly some sins carry much heavier consequences than others do, though, as well. That's what I was going to say. There's different consequences for different sin, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think— And, and, and for those that are like, you know, like, I, I just can't. Well, ask God to help you. You know, when when the disciples didn't think that they had faith, they asked God to increase their faith. Um, and and it, and it's not going to be immediate, and it's not going to be short. You have to be willing to do it in the long haul. But nothing really is impossible with God at the center of it. And that's one of the reasons, Katie, that I wanted to have you and Chad on. You can have a lot of people get on a podcast and talk about and pontificate about how God can heal. and But if they've not walked through it and they've not been through it, it just doesn't have the credence that it does from someone like you and your husband. And, and especially the other thing that I think makes it great is because I know you. When I say that this really is a great marriage, this really and truly is a marriage that's been healed. I'm not talking about a couple that I know briefly. I've known you guys for years and I think it really gives a lot of hope. And and I do believe that there's probably some men or women that are like, I don't even want to forgive right now. I am living. And I think that's okay too, don't you? That that is even a part of the process that maybe right now the last thing you want to do is talk to God about it. Maybe the last thing you want to do is is forgive. And And isn't there a season where even that's okay? Because it's even a process to not only be restored in your relationship with your spouse, but even with God as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that you, you got to take time. Um, you know, if you have somebody that you can talk to that will give you good, you know, not just like agree with everything that you're saying, as, as long as there's somebody that can give you some godly wisdom. Um, I, I don't, I, I would, 
caution people to just keep it all to themselves because sometimes we don't process things very well on our own, um, whether it's internally or externally. Um, but, but God's always available. And when we talk with him, like we're not sharing that out to everybody because the hardest thing, you know, initially was the embarrassment of it that it happened and getting through that, um, you know, then you can be an overcomer, but it, it takes, it does take time. It is not short or quick at all. Well, Katie, I believe your pain is your platform and I stated it early and I'm going to say it again. Uh, matter of fact, when I wrote uh, one of the books I wrote, uh, a man who I respect greatly, a uh, very influential man, said, Jay, you wrote an incredible book, but man, you should not have revealed some of the things that you did. And what he was referencing is the fact that Missy was pregnant before we got married. And he said, man, you, you should have never admitted that. That's just not a good thing for believers to hear. And I, I said, listen, brother, I love you and I respect you, but the whole Bible's filled with that. The Bible's yep. filled. I mean, the greatest heroes, you can go all the way down the line. I mentioned David, but you can talk about Moses. You can talk about Noah. Uh, you can. We can go to the New Testament. You can talk about Peter denying Christ. So the, the Bible's filled with examples of people who have fallen and who've been restored. And, and I'm in a complete agreement with you, Katie, that, that number one, God is the healer of the broken heart. And he says, cast your burden on me and I'll sustain you. The Bible says in Isaiah 147, verse 3, he's near to the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And so Mm -hmm. I want to tell listeners that just as God was near you during this season, he had not forsaken you. He had not turned his back on you. And the truth of it is, while you might have blamed God, I don't know, you knew that it wasn't God's fault. It's fallen humanity's fault. And that I just want listeners to know that God hasn't forsaken you, and that there is a possibility for healing. Now, of course, there's prerequisites. There's got to be true repentance. There's got to be a willingness of your spouse to walk away from this relationship that has brought about this devastation. There's got to be a willingness to adhere to boundaries. There's all these things that you've mentioned, I think, are definitely prerequisites, and I think they're healthy, that there there has to be some strong boundaries. There, there has to be um, on boundaries on the person who committed the offense. But as you said, on the person who was offended, there's got to be a willingness to forgive. And that's the ultimate story of the gospel. I mean, the ultimate story of the gospel and the hope that that we have and the relationship, Katie, that you have and I have with Christ is all based on one thing. It's grace. It's mercy. It means something for nothing. It means God loved us in spite of. And somebody, self-righteous person might say, well, I've never committed adultery. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. You were sinful in your own way. And the story is that God was willing to overlook your sin through the death of his son and the shed blood. And as a result of God's forgiveness that's been given to us, that forgiveness we've got to give to other people. And it's not easy. And while, you know, we can quote scriptures about it and say, hey, that's the process and people know it. No, it's not easy. And sometimes it takes days, weeks, months, maybe even years. But Katie, you are living proof that God is a healer, that God is a restorer, that the gospel is real. And that, and I think, honestly, Katie, this may sound almost sacrilegious, but I think even your willingness to forgive Chad is the truest example of Jesus. Because that's exactly what he's done for us. Katie, I, I, I respect you so much. I'm so grateful for your willingness to come on today and to talk about something that, uh, I mean, it's a private matter. Uh, it's a personal matter. And 
although you're years down the road, I know that it was a very devastating time in your life. So thank you so much uh, for being willing to, to share your story. I know there's a lot of people today that, that needed to hear it. Katie, you did 